Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. again everybody and welcome to the blazer's edge podcast world we have a lot of them going but this one is your absolute favorite i am dave deckard here with marlo ferguson jr and we are dave and marlo here talking about the start of the trailblazer season it really happened it's like santa came and santa brought a victory <laughs> over the sacramento kings marlo how are you doing and how are you feeling about the blazers today Oh man, a whole lot better. Doing a whole lot better with the Blazers win. Let me just say that. Uh, had to gut it out, but one and zero better than zero and one. So you take that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, we should remind people that we uh, record this a little bit earlier, so the Blazers have not yet played the Phoenix Suns. When you've heard this, now there's either going to be reason for us to be way, way more excited because it's going to be two and zero and beating one of the best teams in the conference, or it's going to be one and one and we shouldn't be quite so excited, but who cares for right now? It's only good news. What were your initial impressions from game one? What'd you see? Man, I think the biggest thing was just that it was nice to see uh, Chauncey Billups and those guys make adjustments. It was pretty cool to see them, you know, give it the Sacramento Kings a taste of their own medicine. You know, in that, in that first half, you sort of noticed that the defense looked really good. They gave up uh, 26 points in the first 17 minutes. Went to a small ball lineup in the end. They had to win that game. So just seeing some of the versatility there was, 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 it was very reassuring. I'll say that, especially after the preseason we had. So. Yeah. I mean, let's start there then. For me, the most revolutionary substitutions were at the center position, which is where we thought they had no flexibility, but they brought in. Drew Eubanks early for Yusuf Nurkic. And I shouldn't say early. It was about at the right time in the rotation, but it was early in the game. And in his first rotation, I mean, Eubanks was hustling out there. He was setting screens, which I think was one of the main things that you saw from the five spot in that game. And as long as he was setting screens and hustling, the Blazers actually looked more crisp on the offensive end than they had with Nurk in there. Now, they tried to run it through Nurk a little bit, give him a few touches at the 
beginning of the third quarter, it sort of worked, sort of didn't. But then at the end of the game, you have Justice Winslow at six foot six, but with a lot of moxie, uh, playing the center position. Uh, and basically you never brought Nurk back. So that, uh, that I think speaks to what you're saying. First of all, Billups is willing to be inventive. Second of all, the Blazers do have some options. But third, what do you make of this center rotation? What's up with Nurkic? And do you think that this will continue? I don't know. I was a little bit confused because, you know, historically he's done really well against Sacramento Kings. Um, I'm not going to put too much stock into a, a first game like that. What was interesting to me was that in, uh, in Justice Winslow's press conference, he was talking a little bit about a conversation he had with Damian Lillard and how they didn't really run that, that small ball lineup a lot during training camp, during the preseason. So to see it just kind of roll out, you know, it kind of just out of nowhere like that and for have, having it work like that. Um, really good stuff. Really good stuff there. And if you'll notice, uh, in that second quarter, the Kings, they were running a small ball lineup too, where they had like Kevin Herter at the four, uh, Sabonis at the five and like Davion Mitchell, De'Aaron Fox. So seeing the, the Blazers kind of dish it back out to them a little bit was, was satisfying. I'll say that. Yeah. And we should say that the Kings are a roster that will allow you to do that because they don't have a dominant center, right? So, uh, or even very many seven footers that they play. Okay. So the Blazers had some freedom there. But look, I thought that at both ends, the Blazers actually looked slower and more stilted when Nurkic was in there. And as soon as people were in there running their asses off, basically, whether it was Winslow or Eubanks, that all of a sudden everything picked up, which may clue you in to what the Blazers really need from that five spot. I mean, they've got a lot of versatility. They've got a lot of offensive firepower. Uh, they, they sure could use some defense. Nurkic brings some of that. They could use some shot blocking. Nurkic brings none of that, nor does anyone else on the roster. But really, they need someone out there throwing on the afterburners and giving it their all. Nurkic doesn't always do that. And I think as soon as somebody did, the Blazers looked better. I think that's a great point. Uh, I don't think you have to like really be observing too hard to notice that. Like the team just looked slower with Nurkic in there. Uh, they were running and gunning and then they would kind of slow it down, give it to him in the post. And I thought he kind of forced it a little bit too. Uh, there were some situations where they were kind of digging at him in the post. They were bringing another guy when he put the ball on the ground and he just wasn't able to, he wasn't able to make shots number one and he wasn't able to make the quick decisions number two. So, um, I'm looking, I'm looking, to, I'm looking forward to seeing how he responds to that. Uh, he's got a tough matchup with DeAndre Aiden coming up. So. Uh, I, th I think he'll get back on track, but game one wasn't as it wasn't as assuring as we may maybe have hoped. Right, and yeah, exactly. To your point, they're going to need a legit center, and he's the one that they have. So, as you say, we're going to see it on Friday night. But look, everything about Nurkic is kind of slow. I'm not saying he's lumbering; he can actually get around the floor a little bit. But if you give it to him in the post, he's going to be hold it for two seconds, dribble it for three, and then shoot or make an attempt and that attempt's probably not going to be clean either there's going to be some juking and jiving there uh if you give it to him at the three-point arc he's going to wait make sure nobody's coming to him set up line up and shoot and probably miss it right so there's there's a lot of um labor that goes into what he does the only exception is when he's rolling you know, off of the screen. If you give it to him on the move and he catches it and has a clean look, he can put it in really quickly. Uh, I, other than that, he is kind of slow. He's not the, the quickest lateral guy either on defense. I mean, he's okay if you keep him in the middle of the floor, but if you depend on Nurkic to close to the outside uh, on three-point shooters or even to switch and to take somebody out there, he's, he's going to get shot over or blown by. So I don't know 
if it's his physical shape or just his athleticism or just that's Nurk. But there's a lot of deliberation there that the Blazers maybe don't need with this lineup as much. I would say that too. Um, I, I like the way they looked when they had Jeremy Grant and Justice Wins on those guys in there. And uh, this team has a, has a run and gun kind of you know, hard-nosed identity. So I'd like to see them kind of tap into that maybe a little bit more. Uh, but like I said, I don't want to overreact to, to game one because you never know. It's different situations call for different things. So we'll see how it goes. 20 fast break points in game number one. I mean, what did you think of their running attack? Did it surprise you? Oh man, it was, it was fantastic. And I think a lot of that was, was, was defense to offense. Uh, probably hasn't gotten talked about a whole lot, but I've, I've seen a lot of clips in that game where Anthony Simons was, was in passing lanes, playing aggressive, you know, getting, getting through screens. Uh, Jeremy Grant, of course, he had a, a, as, as good as, as good of a, as good of a debut as you maybe could have expected, you know, in, in a Blazers uniform. So, um, lots of different things like that. Defense to offense is, and it's reassuring to see because it's not something that we've seen historically. So. Yeah, uh, forcing turnovers. They had uh, 11 steals. So, I mean, that in itself was was pretty darn good. Uh, but it seemed like it wasn't just poking the ball away. But as soon as that got loose, there were people charging to the other end. It felt like, obviously, they've, they've worked on that. And here's the thing, too. When you had, first of all, Lillard and McCollum are half-court guards. They're not, you know, they, they want a matchup advantage in the half-court. The, the guards that they have now are quicker and like to score on the break. Uh, and I shouldn't say guards, but wings. I mean, uh, Josh Hart, uh, Jeremy Grant, all of them will score on the run. And you don't need that second player there. They will take it. And I think there's, there's a considerable advantage because you don't have to commit your whole team now to either staying back or running out. You, you have somebody who gets their hands on the ball, and as soon as that happens, somebody else is streaking down the floor, and it's going to work. That's something they haven't had in a long time. Yeah, definitely not a very long time. And I think that was one of the reasons why I kind of wanted to see Josh Hart be that that starting small forward, just because of the extra dimension he gives his offense. You know, it, it allows, you know, Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons to play off ball, kind of fits into what Simons likes to do as well. So it's just, it, it works out really well. And he's able to take advantage of the attention that they get go coast to coast on rebounds and, and he's, he's I think he's going to be a really good addition maybe the best addition of this 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 group this recent group that we've got yeah I, I agree with you there I mean so let's talk about uh Grant and Hart I mean they they were Swiss army knives like <laughs> big sized I uh I think I wrote this morning that uh Hart had 19 points but the high was 23 so he was right in that cluster of the top scorers right uh, he also had the second most rebounds after Nurkic. Uh, no, not after Nurkic, after Grant, I think. And uh, the second most assists after Lillard. So he literally did everything. Jeremy Grant uh, led the team in scoring and rebounding and plus made some nice defensive plays. And both of them, as if to cap it off, got the uh, the and ones that sealed away the game from a tie game to basically Blazers win by five because Jeremy Grant and Josh Hart got layups and they were fouled. So, I mean, there's not a lot to dislike about the starting forwards against Sacramento, right? And I think, you know, Jeremy Grant's made a really nice return on investment already. You know what I'm saying? Just the amount of things he was able to do in game one. I love the intensity that he plays with. And if you noticed in that second half, they were kind of putting him on De'Aaron Fox a little bit more, kind of weathering that storm because he had had a fantastic first half, so... Just the versatility that he's going to bring you. A lot of people knew about that, but just kind of seeing it in action is, is very exciting to think about, you know, in the future. Yeah. I mean, and someone, look, they've always had someone to switch over on the best score, but 
not often someone who could stop point guards. I mean, Al Farouk Aminu, for all he was willing to defend, wasn't going to do that, right? Uh, Grant at least helped some. Also, Al Farouk Aminu probably wasn't going to score 23. Now, Grant isn't going no, to yeah. every game either, but the potential is there, right? So you've got someone who can score and who can defend. That's pretty exciting. I would say so, too. And I think it's going to take a lot of pressure off, off of Damian Lillard, too, offensively. And that was one of the things that I was thinking about uh, looking at the substitution patterns with Lillard and Simons and those guys and, and seeing how Simons was able to play. He looked really at ease, uh, c- kind of commanding the offense. Grant took the pressure off him. So I think it's going to be ex- exciting to see, especially until he you know gets his legs back under him and gets some more games under him uh, returning from injury. Yeah, they staggered them a little bit, right? Lillard and Simons. I mean, they of course, they started together and they were playing critical minutes. But, you know, when the second unit came in, one or the other was in there. So you always had a primary scoring threat on the court. Yeah, as long as you have one of them and you put defenders around them and just seeing how they're able to create their own offense too is, is, is just a luxury to have. It's like finding finding money you forgot about. It's, it's very welcome to see. Yeah. Um, see how that goes. It's going to be exciting too. Yeah, let's uh, let's get to Lillard in a minute, but before we get off the forwards, okay, so you have uh, Winslow, and I thought even Nasir Little did pretty well in the few minutes that he got. Uh, he looked pretty aggressive on defense. That's actually, you're not doing bad bringing Winslow and Little uh, in for, for Grant and Hart, are you? I guess not. I would have been a little bit worried about that if you had said that a couple weeks ago. Um, and as far as Little goes, I'm still kind of waiting for him to get that, that three-point shot going. Once he gets that, I think it's, it's going to be uh, – he's going to show exactly why he got his extension, you know, and, and it won't take him long. Yeah, that three-point shot is keeping him from getting on the floor more, right? I mean, yeah. it's just because you can't – the Blazers have to have a bailout, especially now, uh, because teams are going to start to overplay. Look, in Sacramento, they were obviously trying to get it inside. What, they have like 56 in the paint or something like that, which is like two Blazer games under normal (laughs) circumstances. So teams are going to read that very quickly, and they're going to sag back in. If you have a small forward who cannot hit their shot, that defense is going to be successful. So uh, Nasir's got to get his three-point shot going. I think I thought Grant and Hart did did great, actually, for on their three-point shooting. And even Winslow, God, that was the moment, right? Fourth quarter, Justice Winslow, he's on the oh, you know, the right side, <laughs> three-point shot. You're going like, oh, no. And it went in. It's like, okay, I guess we're winning this. I shot in every part of the rim, and I'm, I'm so thankful that it went in. That was <laughs> – when it sounds like that let you know it's, it's your night, or at least it might be your night. So it was, it was great to see that. Yeah. He could just say see Winslow go, what? Yeah, of course that went in. It was like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there's a lot of things to talk about in the backcourt, too. But, Dame, what were your impressions of Dame in Game 1? First time we've seen him in the better part of a year. I think that's the big part to remember is that we just we hadn't seen him. Um, I thought the Sacramento Kings defense, they, they had a great game plan for how they were going to guard him. Uh, they had Casey Akpala, 6'8", 7'2", uh, wingspan, so a lot of size on him. Uh, we've seen that kind of strategy work in the past. You know, Mike Brown with, with Golden State. He probably had a hand in, in them putting Draymond Green and, and Andre Iguodala and guys like that on him. Uh, in the postseason, we've seen it with Aaron Gordon. You put size on him, it's going to make it tough. And they were picking him up full court. Uh, but I think one thing that one 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 big shout out to Chauncey Billups. If you notice what he started doing, he started putting Josh Hart back there to, to kind of take the ball out, take some pressure off of Lillard. And Lillard kind of talked about that too. He was he was saying that you know it was kind of uh, getting to his wind a little bit. They were banging him around, but. 
Lillard's a master technician, so you never really worried about what he's going to do in that situation. Before you knew it, I probably had two or three fouls in the first seven minutes, and his team was in the bonus, so it, it worked out in the end. Lost the battle, but he, he won the war. Right, and that was the concerning thing for me, is that they did have bigger guys on him, and Dame still couldn't get free. And I, I, I think I wrote this. I'm not worried about the jump shot at all. I mean, he was one, to, one for eight from distance, but that's not... That's not playing an NBA game per conditions for a year, right? You know, that's, you know that's going to come back. Uh, but the fact that he had to be a master technician in order to get free at all off the dribble is a little bit concerning uh, because if he doesn't create separation with the ball in his hands, then it's pretty easy to guess what he has to do which is shoot the three. And at that point, you just play up on him because you know even if he gets past you, it's going to be a quarter of a step, not a full step. And you got help coming because he's Damian Lillard and everybody's watching him. So I think that this is going to be an interesting development if he has lost some of his quickness that allowed him to make those drives. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down, we break down who will be cutting, cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hip. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This will be the age. If it was going to happen, this would be the age. He's played a lot of minutes. I remember writing something over the summer. Uh, when you get past 30, and there's a certain like minutes threshold where you kind of start to see that. But uh, I, I don't know if you if you noticed, like the first two minutes, he ended up stepping on uh, Casey Akpala's ankle. Like, Two minutes into the game, and he was kind of limping, hobbling a little bit. He played it off, and he continued to play. But part of me kind of wonders if that has something to do with it, too. Uh, and it kind of reminds me of that 2019-20 that season where it was like he was banged up every game, picking up a new injury, but he just kept playing through it. So, obviously, you don't want to encore that. But I'm I'm just been thinking, like, I wonder if that falling on that ankle had anything to do with him being a little bit slower after that. It might be. Uh, I think, obviously, we're going to need a few weeks to figure all that out. I think Dame doesn't have to be the man quite as much here. I mean, obviously, you saw some of that last night. Jeremy Grant's going, I'll take the shots. Josh Hart's like, don't forget about me. And we haven't even seen Anthony Anthony Simons go to full power yet, right? So, I mean, there are more other players around Dame to take that pressure off. The, The caveat is, if he's not, great and again i distinguish between great and superstar maybe he's not super superstar level if he's slowed down but he still has to be great for this team to have a chance oh no doubt about that but i think one thing that he can kind of ride on i guess at the start of the year 
even if you're not playing at a superstar level, he's got that name. So the defenses are going to be giving him, you know, the most attention, the most respect. And I think you sort of seen that they were, they ran one play. I think it was in the, the third quarter. Uh, Josh Hart ended up coming like, coming off a handoff and they were so glued to Lillard and Simons on that opposite side. And we saw it, that Hart ended up getting right, right to the basket. So if you see situations like that where even his attention is going to give other people a chance to score, you can kind of cross that off and, and, and call it, chalk it up as a win for Lillard too, even if he's not scoring. That, that impact is just, it's, it's tangible. You can feel it. Yeah. You can feel Josh Hart too. You know, every time he, you know, got to the rim, he's like, contract, contract. Yeah. <laughs> Where's my money? Like, and, he, you know, I think you're right because the, the players the Blazers have locked up are going to distract the opponents, not because of their contract, obviously, but you cannot put Anthony Simons and Damian Lillard on the floor and not have the opponent looking that direction. I think Josh Hart's going to go, yeah, yeah, I, I can do this. Trust me. Uh, put me one on one half of a defender and uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to barbecue him. So I look for a strong season from Hart. Um, Chayden Sharp. What did you think? Of, yeah. What did you think of his debut? Now he's getting a little bit of national buzz. Obviously, all of Blazer Nation is excited about him. Give us a realistic uh, impression of what you saw. Very impressed. I can understand why Blazer Nation was 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 so excited about that. The poise in which he played with, you know, as a rookie in, in his first game, came in and hit some big shots, especially in that second half. I remember one he uh got it got free on a closeout and hit a nice step back shot. I thought he responded well to, to the different challenges. Like Harrison Barnes was trying to test him out a little bit, stepped up to that challenge. Um, defensively, there were a few miscues, but it was it was it was rookie mistakes, you know, things like that. You see, and I, I think overall it, he was very inspiring. I, I was kind of surprised to even see him playing this early into the season, like especially like that. Like he came in the first nine minutes of the game, and they, he, he was a clear cut part of that rotation. So it's clear he's he's earned Chauncey Billups trust, and and I look forward to seeing how he responds to that now. Yeah, I mean, I agree 100%, I think. On, on defense, you could see the raw material. And he wasn't afraid. That's the main thing. Like, he wasn't looking around or like, is it me or should I do this? He's like, screw it. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for this. And he wasn't always right. But you don't care because the right is going to come with experience. That he was aggressive and unafraid is huge. And the same thing on the three pointers. I mean, he was, he got a little bit of Cliff Robinson rookie in him. Like, <laughs> okay, I got the ball. I'm going to score the ball, but you don't, you don't mind that, right? Now, his first couple attempts were drives and he actually had some good moves. His first step. Oh boy. You know, like I think the opponents were prepared for that, but there's no way you can be prepared for that, right? So he gets first step on you and you're like, Oh, he's got a lane. Now I think they closed on him or bothered him enough that he just couldn't finish. But you're thinking, when he learns to finish, that's going to be oh, yeah. sick, right? So you're going like, okay, that's good enough. You saw what he could do. And then all of a sudden, he starts stroking threes quickly, right? And again, the thing is not just that they went in, because not all of them will. But no hesitation, no fear. Like, I got the ball. I'm putting this up, and it's going in. And it did. And it, I think he had a couple in the first quarter, and then, like you said, a big one late. And you're going like, this guy got heart. I get this it's lying there. And it's like, all right, now you see what they saw in him, right? No fear whatsoever. And even the mistakes that he did make, they, they aren't things that you know, you're going to stay up and not even think about. Like he had a layup down on the other end where he, he didn't hit the rim at all, but it was like, okay, when he adjusts to the 
NBA speed and physicality, that's going to be a mate. Um, and, and the Kings broadcast, they had brought up, like, on defense, they were saying, like, he's never out of a play because of his athleticism. So he was able to show that a couple of different times, too. So um, I, I say to keep plugging him in. I remember we had a talk in, in episode one. We were talking about should he play in, in, in game one, should he play right away. And uh, he, he's proven us right so far. So you got to keep it going now. Yeah. Now, the asterisk is there are going to be some ups and downs. And already in preseason, you know, they saw that uh, game against, you know, the Israeli team and going like, okay, you got to play this guy all the time. It's like, that's not going to, it's probably not going to happen. I don't think he's going to get zero minutes, but I don't think he's a 20-minute guy yet, right? You got to ease up on the coach, you know, ease up on your expectations. But every moment that he's out there, you can go, okay, I better put my seatbelt on because that's that's going to be something and you watch maybe already when you when you see him you don't see him now you see him like two years from now and you go like okay i can see this guy starting i can see this guy starting because of what he's doing on both ends and i can see this guy starting because i don't see right now anybody who can stop him but him i think you spot on with that it's nice to see him play well against an actual you know nba team uh, he has some, some, some nice stretches where he show, he showcases IQ too. Like, I remember on that, that baseline out of bounds play. Blazers tried to run their usual, like, pin down set, and he ended up getting free and, and hitting a nice three in the corner. So the corner might be his spot. He, I didn't see him miss a three in the corner. I might have missed one, but I, he looked very at ease catching shooting the corners. So. Yeah. That's gonna. Well, I mean, a possibility for him being a small forward there too, perhaps. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much muscle or weight he'll be able to put on. But I'm thinking if Josh Hart can do it, Shaden Sharp can probably do it too in a pinch, which that because this is the thing. It's like, OK, if this guy does strap a rocket to his back, what do you do now? Because you got Lillard and you got Simons. And I know you think about trading Simons, but he's young, too. Right. And eventually it's probably going to be Simons and Sharp. Right. But then you can't bump Dame. So, I mean, there's there's. Three guard possibilities there, I think. And if if Simons is an apt defender with athleticism and can hit that sideline three, there's room for him to play small forward, I think, eventually, which means he can get in sooner. I remember we had this this same discussion last week too, how we we're gonna do the, the old Simon a little bit sharp thing. Um one thing I'll say about Simons is that I, I love the fact that he's not allowing anybody to put a ceiling on him. Remember his first first two years we were thinking, hey, he can be a nice Second unit piece to back up CJ and, and McCollum, or CJ and, and Lillard. And you're thinking like, hey, backcourt defenses are never going to be able to get pressure off of them if Simons develops. Then last year he showcased, you know, all-star potential. And now we're having to have conversations about that. So just the fact that he continues to elevate, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm buying a lot of stock in, in Anthony Simons having a, another, another big season. Yeah. I probably said Simons. I meant sharp, but Simons, it's, it's good transition. He looked better. Uh, yeah. he looked better last night than he did in preseason. I think clearly. And the initial, I think he got off with a dunk that he back rimmed. You know, he's like yeah. one of those that fly out to half court, right? But you could see like, okay, I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to pack this down. And it's like, hello season. And then it's not like he took over the game. I think he's still a little bit underutilized. But what he did, he did really aggressively. And as you say, he started playing really aggressively at the defensive end. Which, okay, if he does nothing on offense, if he can do that, 
then his spot is justified. And that play you mentioned was, was such a weird play because he dunked the ball and then like went all the way past half court. Lillard gets it and he ends up throwing it to, to Simons for a wide open three. And it was just, I don't know. They had a lot of weird, weird kind of plays like that. But, uh, as far as Simons goes, it's just, I, I kind of look at it the same way you look at it. It's just the defensive uh, intensity looks a lot better. Um, I think I might have said it, but he, he really flew around on the perimeter, had some nice contests. He gave up some shots, but he was, he was very nice contesting shots, even on De'Aaron Fox. Uh, offense is going to come and I don't worry about that. I know in the offseason he was dealing with knee tendonitis and, and, and things like that. So, um, I'm not concerned about him in, in any, in any stretch, but definitely bullish after week, after game one. Now, if he's shooting, cause he's the Blazers one three point shooter. If he's, if he's shooting 40% from three and sharp can shoot well, I think almost you give Lillard not a pass exactly. But if Lillard doesn't get up to 39%, if Lillard's just at 35 but those other two are hitting, I think the Blazers are just fine. Now, the problem I still had last night was three-point defense. And I think it still wasn't there. Sacramento shot 38%, but I think they could have been at 42 without too much problem because they, they missed some open shots. And I, it boggles my mind that you're playing small and you still can't get out to cover the arc. You got any idea what's what's going on there, or did you see it differently? Um, I mean, I, I kind of looked at it a little bit differently. I thought that, you know, at first it was kind of the, the Kings had some jitters, and their commentators kind of mentioned that too because they had shot the ball so well in the preseason, uh, like 119 offensive rating, and they were just they were just fantastic. Then they came into this game and they were missing makeable shots, but I thought the Blazers contested you know, a lot of those shots well. Kevin Herter in particular hit a lot of crazy shots that. You know, so I don't think he's going to be able to hit continually like throughout the year like that. So, seeing that part of it, thirty-eight percent on forty-four three-point attempts. That's that's not terrible on the other game that they had. But I think that the Blazers are going to improve upon that a little bit. Yeah. So I thought as the fourth quarter wound down and they went smaller, they did actually get better. I thought their defense in the fourth quarter was good, but. It was the middle quarters that got me. Well, I mean, even at the first, you know, I think the first three quarters, there was some shady stuff going on there. And it's like, okay, I don't think they're ever going to be able to shut down the middle entirely. But at least if the team is scoring in the middle, at least it takes some time, right? And at least it's two points, okay? If they get lightning quick threes, if the first open three that the opponent gets goes in on a regular basis, Portland themselves doesn't have enough three-point shooting now to to weather that. They cannot keep up with it because they are also starting to go inside. Now, I'm not complaining about that inside offense, by the way. I think actually, I mean, this is Chauncey Billups' thing. It's a throwback. I, I get it. I like it with the personnel that they have right now. It's much better than chucking threes. But the reality is they have to slow down the opponent's flow of points in order to make that work. And the biggest thing that will speed up that flow of points is if you let them hit early threes. It was kind of weird watching that game because I had, like, I noticed, I knew what the score was going to be. So, like, the Blazers had given up 26 points over the first 17 minutes. I was like, how did they give up 55 to end this half? So they ended up giving up, like, 29 over that last seven-minute stretch in the second quarter. Um, so I think just defending better in those stretches, I think it's going to be key for them. They kind of allowed the crowd to get into it, Sacramento's crowd, and they were able to get some energy going there. 
uh, particularly with ball movement. So I think that's the, the kind of the strategy to beating the Blazers on defense is, is ball movement, uh, not being stagnant with that. But my question for you would be based on what you said, uh, are you, were you, were you a little bit worried when the Blazers got down 10? Or did you think they were going to make a comeback? It was hard to say. I mean, we got a blank slate here, right? And <laughs> I think that, and here's the thing. I would have bet that if they got down seriously in the second half, which they did, that it would have been the guards shooting them out. That Lillard and Simons would have said, all right, we got this. It's our turn. It's not what happened. It's the forwards who won the game for them. And they won it with energy. They won it with defense and transition, fast breaks. They also won it with rebounding. They, they took the, the, the board battle away from the Kings. And those are all things that I would not have predicted would organically happen. And if anything, that's the exciting part about that. Forget the win. They almost didn't win. I think, if, you know, a couple whistles go the other way or whatever. This would have been a, an exciting loss, right? But regardless of that, how they did it in game one, that those new forwards and Justice Winslow would step up and they would control the defense and the rebounding, I think is a hopeful sign. I agree with that. It was great to see them show some points in that, in that fourth quarter. It was one of those games where it, it kind of felt like a felt like a Blazers kind of game where it was like you, you had to be stressed out to the last minute and it felt like a bounce or two, a whistle or two was going to change the, change the spectrum of the game. So see them kind of respond to that. Uh, hopefully it gives them a little bit of confidence, you know, and, and Chauncey Billups in this group, I think they can look at it and they can, they can be pleased with some of the adjustments that they made, um, and the versatility that they have. So very, very confusing team because like, like you said, it kind of went away from all the tendencies and all the things that we expected from them. Uh, but this is a team that can show that they can win in multiple different ways. Uh, more power to them. So this Phoenix game, I think is going to tell us a whole lot more about this team than, than the Sacramento game. Right. Well, the, the one thing I want to pick up on also, though, we said they had 11 steals, right? They only right. committed 11 turnovers themselves. This would be the Another other surprise. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because new lineup and they're winning in this different way and all this and they're trying to do ball movement. You're, you're expecting turnovers and this may happen. OK, but for this game anyway, you get not even turnovers from the team. You literally get 11 steals from the opponent and only commit 11 turnovers yourself. That's a hell of an accomplishment for anybody, let alone a lineup that is just playing together in their regular season game for the first time. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. It's going to be fun to see how, it, how that plays out as a whole. Um, I was also going to bring up with that Phoenix game, I think we're going to learn a lot about their, their defensive tendencies and their versatility. Uh, they're going to be bringing them through Spain, picking rolls, and seeing how they're going to react to having that low band coming over in Garden 8. But uh, to your point, I think it's going to be really exciting to see because all week long they've talked a lot about just kind of simplifying the game. Like Chauncey Billups, they said they had kind of cut away from a lot of their, their schemes and, and the things they were going to do and just let guys play basketball. So there's not as much thinking involved. And, um, just seeing how that plays out, I think it's going to be fun too because you can tell they weren't thinking as much. They weren't trying to overdo things. They just kind of let the game come to them, let it flow with them. So yeah, uh, see how that how they balance that is going to be interesting too. Yeah, because Phoenix has all of that and all of the talent plus cohesiveness, winning experience, and DeAndre Ayton, right? Yeah. So that's a tough ask. And the, the problem is Blazers play the Suns three times in the next, like, five games. So that's a tough draw to start the uh, beginning of the year. I think if the Blazers win one of those, that's great. And if it's the first one, that's even greater. But this is a tough 
this is a tough challenge in game two because, again, Phoenix does all the things that you do, but probably better. Yeah, it's going to be a great litmus test for sure. Uh, hopefully, in the Blazers' case, you're probably hoping that they're kind of riding the emotional high of that, that comeback win over Dallas and just kind of be relieved to be 1-0. Um, they're not a team. They're a veteran team, so they probably won't be. But you're probably hoping that they got a little bit of, you know, residual fatigue and that probably be their best, their best way to win. And I don't know if you heard, but they're supposed to be honoring Terry Porter. He'll be at the game on Friday too. So Blazers have a little bit of juice. There you go. A little bit of juice for that. Well, (laughs) when they retired Clyde Drexler's number, that was the game they were playing against the Grizzlies, I think. May have been Vancouver Grizzlies at that point. I forget. But anyway, they were up at halftime. They had just gotten Rod Strickland back as a free agent. And then they completely blew it and wilted in front of Clyde and everybody. So we'll hope that Terry brings better luck there. So uh, do you think that, do you think they can beat Phoenix? Do you think they will? I mean, by the, by the time people hear this, it'll be a done deal. So do you think that's going to happen? Um, I want to be optimistic, but optimism has never really done me right. You know, when it comes to the Blazers, you kind of got (laughs) to, you got to be a little bit, you got to be reasonable with it. So I think that we're going to see them continue to turn in the right direction. Uh, but I can see a, a very competitive, but a gritty, a gritty loss. And I know that I, I, hopefully it comes back to bite me. I'd love for this to come back to bite me, but I'm going to say we get a very competitive game. But in the end, Phoenix is, you know, championship pedigree kind of wins out. Um, Damian Lillard show, shows a little bit of growth in terms of, you know, getting back to his old self. But I'm going to go with the Suns for this one. And then we'll, the, Portland is going to get them back later on this month. So we'll go with that. Okay. Let me read you the, uh, Next five games, actually only the next four, because we got Sacramento as a win. We got the Suns, you know, on Friday, travel to play the Lakers on Sunday. And then you got Monday, home versus Denver, and Wednesday, home versus Miami. So Sacramento, Phoenix, Los Angeles, Denver, Miami. What's Portland's record after the first five? So Sacramento, Phoenix, yeah, Phoenix uh, Denver, Lakers. Miami. Yeah, Phoenix, Lakers, Denver, Miami. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go three and two. I oh. think you kind of have to throw in a, a customary loss there, but I, I like the way Lillard plays against the Lakers. I think he's number one scoring wise against them. That'll be a, a, a game in which he can, you know, kind of flex his muscles a little bit. Uh, Denver's Denver. I don't really like the way Portland ever is matched up with Denver. Um, and historically, we've seen that outside of 2019, it's been lopsided losses throughout that. Now they're gonna have a little bit of juice after losing their first game to Utah, so they're gonna be upset. Um, and just schematically, I, I don't know how you how you deal with all of that three-point shooting with Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, those guys. Miami's a physical team, but they've got some flaws, too. I'm going to say that they surprise us maybe a few more times, but they also drop a few winnable games, too. So three and two is probably the, the safest of, the, the, safest of the, the picks. Yeah, I think uh, Phoenix and Denver are hard to pencil in as wins. I mean, it's just, you you know the problem with Denver. <laughs> I mean, but, yeah. <laughs> As, oh, they only got an MVP there, that's all. Uh, and Phoenix yeah. is tough get. So the question will be Los Angeles and Miami. Um, Miami's always a tough game. L.A. in L.A. And anytime you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I mean, I know, okay, I, I think L.A. sucks. I mean, I think they Westbrook themselves <laughs> into oblivion, right? But, you know, Westbrook could tear up the Blazers because the guard defense still isn't there. And Anthony Davis can tear up the Blazers, and that's not even counting LeBron. So I worry about that one a little bit, although I like Portland better as a team. So I'm going to go two and three. All right. Two and three. Yeah. But I would say it's not out of the 
realm of possibility that they are one and four, unfortunately. We could get, you could get an awful cold splash of water here before we get to some relief versus the Houston Rockets. But let's say two and three, you say three and two, we'll see who's right. And actually, we will podcast right after that, uh, right after that Miami game, like the day after. So we'll see. We should put something on the line, like, a, I don't know, a beer when you come to Portland or something. All right. Anything else on your mind uh, in after game one? Uh, no, just just a lot of excitement. I think that's the best way to put it. Uh, like I say, it's just it's just so much better to be doing this with a one and zero record than with the zero and one record. We could talk a little bit more optimistically about it. And just excited to see how things go in the future. That's all I can say. Well, it is a good week, or at least a good day, to be a Blazers fan. Uh, you know who who knows after Friday night, but we'll see. Uh, for Marla Ferguson, I'm Dave Deckard. We hope you come back and see us again next week.